Hello and good evening and welcome to the forum's Monday surgery live, the stream that gives you the opportunity to listen to and ask questions on news information from your most senior officials. My name is Scott Haslam. I'm the president of the Leeds One Amalgamated Branch of the Communication Workers Union. So, uh, la, 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 where are we? Right. So, the CDB opened itself up to the membership like never before, and no other union has achieved the membership engagement we have. And currently, the national comms are heavily supporting the BT group dispute through the Count Me In campaign, much like they did uh, in the past few years with Raw Mail. So, please show your support in tonight's session uh, using the hashtag Count Me In. Uh, in tonight's session, I'm joined by Martin Walsh, the uh, National and Postal Executive Member, Darren Glibocki, National and Postal Executive Member, and Steve Warham, the Northeast Divisional Rep. And we want to talk about delivery revisions tonight. So, hi, guys, and thanks for joining us. Uh, would you like to start off, Martin, by quickly introducing to uh, the people watching? All right. Uh, good evening, everyone. And, uh, you know, thank you to uh, Scott and the Leeds number one branch and indeed the North East uh, for inviting myself and Darren. Uh, and we're going to talk around uh, the tabletop and structural revisions. Uh, but I think it's always important that we set the context of how we've got to the tabletop and structural revisions and, in fact, the pathway to change agreement. Uh, if you part, uh, you know, you look back 12 months, I'm sure those 12 months uh, will go down in history for Royal Mail and the CWU as uh, changing the industry and changing the relationship uh, significantly. Uh, and whilst COVID's been devastating for many families uh, and the CW family have lost a number of people, what the COVID uh, outfall from that has been is it's accelerated traffic growth by about five years on parcels on tracked uh, and we've seen since March last year massive traffic uh, fluctuations growth uh, and indeed uh, we've seen some letter decline and I think we'll see that going forward uh, clearly the change in the high street uh, Demonhams uh, coming to a close, a hub group, everyone moving to more online shopping. And I think that's going to increase. Uh, and we're, you know, Royal Mail perfectly, uh, you know, placed to grab more of that parcel traffic. We've seen some letter decline, but we've also seen some letter return in the last couple of months, which is encouraging. And clearly, uh, COVID restrictions during the whole year have been massive uh, and on the industrial front and I, I, you know, I, I say this often last uh, in 2020 St Patrick's Day we delivered another yes vote it was a reballot but it become quite clear by then uh, the country was going through massive change and we would be able to use that ballot uh, and what's happened is we've managed to use some of our pressure to move the company and to deliver an agreement. And that's political pressure and membership pressure. And the fact we were key workers. So if you remember last, well, we had the battle of PPE when we first started, where clearly there wasn't enough PPE. Uh, and we moved that issue on. 
we then had the company reduce uh, the USO. They moved, and they were going to do this on a permanent basis, moved to a five-day week. It was only uh, the reactions politically of the CW which changed the company again. Uh, and after that six-week period, they went back to the normal USO. Uh, and on the back of that, Rico Back was removed. And we found out since then, through conversations with the chair and etc., etc., was clearly what he had in mind when he set up uh, the subsidiary company, which he was going to TP parcel force over. He was going to move all the growth over into that company. Uh, and Rawmel was going to manage decline. Uh, and we removed that. Uh, and even in September last year, myself and Darren, uh, Steve, was in Liverpool for a meeting where Rawmel, uh, Mick Jevons, a finance uh, director, said uh, the CW had to sign up to 12,000 job losses before uh, any pay rise and anything else. And what's happened since then is clearly the job numbers, because of growth in mail, growth in revenue, that has downsized. Uh, and what they wanted to do is the union had to sign up to their whole plan. And that plan would have been parcel separation to 300, uh, 300 offices, moving them from the vast majority of delivery offices, we were meant to sign up to real-time recording, so PDROA, uh, AHDC, uh, would be what done your revisions, what done your uh, resourcing, uh, and it, it would almost take the union out of the workplace. We were asked to sign up to continuous improvement, so people, whatever your performance, you were going to continue to improve on that, and ultimately less consultation uh, in the workplace. Uh, changes to MTSF, changes to the legal uh, guarantees which stopped outsourcing, stopped to break up the company. And we've rejected all of that and we've changed the company significantly within this agreement. So you see job, uh, job redundancies are a lot less when there will still be job reductions but nowhere near the levels Rawmill wanted and there is another commitment to guarantee no compulsory redundancies. On top of that, we've got the legal guarantees extended and that means there's real security for uh, Royal Mail uh, CW members. And what we've also done is we've removed CW uh, real-time recording. Uh, and this is a significant issue in the workplace where we have made that uh, subsidiary to basically productivity. Uh, and we've also secured uh, you know, the pay rise, the two pay rises and the short working week. And we've got the union back into everything uh, which Royal Mail are doing. And you'll see there is a growth initiative. We've gone from a company which was going to just manage the decline uh, to growth. And we're serious about that growth. And that's why Sunday deliveries, that's why delivering across the seven to seven window is all uh, on the cards on the table now. Uh, and we're serious about trying to protect the USA going forward. You would see Belgium and other places have gone to a three day USA. 
we want to protect the USO and protect jobs because that's the way forward. But we will have to adapt. But as I've always said, there is no one-sided deal. Uh, and within this deal, the unions had to commit to some things that Royal Mail wants. Uh, and that does mean there are going to be yearly revisions or reviews. It does mean that uh, we're committed to being become more productive. And it does uh, mean that we agree to a productivity measure, which is uh, weighted items per work hour, which we'll touch on more as we go through. And it does mean that we have a three-year flight path to working uh, a higher up on productivity. It doesn't mean uh, that you work uh, basically into the ground. It does mean that we have to improve productivity. Uh, and we're working with a company on a whole range of things, improving culture in the workplace, which we'll touch on a little bit later. So it has been a roller coaster of the year. Uh, we're going to deal with two of the issues which have fallen out from the pathway to change agreement. That is for 886 delivery offices, they will do a tabletop revision to introduce a short working week and to improve productivity going forward this year. Uh, and for 400 uh, delivery offices, they will do a structural revision, which is uh, basically an indoor uh, revision and a geo-root uh, computerised revision outdoor, which Darren will go through. So we believe over the last 12 months, uh, been pretty significant and we're in you know the unions back in the driving seat in terms of shaping Royal Mail's policies but we have to move forward on a range of things so uh, that's my opening and putting uh, it out there uh, Scott and obviously we can go into the other issues. Excellent thank you for that comprehensive uh, 12 month review Martin. Uh, does any other comments you want to add on uh, Darren or uh, and Steve? If I just, uh, Scott, uh, I, I suppose I'd like to take this opportunity just to, to place on record a thank you to all members uh, for the past 12 months. We have gone through an absolute roller coaster, uh, you know, in terms of an industry, and most of us have gone through that uh, in terms of our own personal lives anyway. The world has completely been tipped upside down and inside out for a lot of us. I think it's important that we do remind ourselves that during the coronavirus, there was lots of conflicting challenges to, to deal with. But ultimately, we did come to a crossroads just before Christmas where the company made a number of announcements in terms of their intentions for our future. And when I mean our future, I mean everyone's future in this industry. And it was down to the resolve of the membership that ensured that we remain strong and that we were able to secure this pathway to change agreement, which mirrors the commitments that the company set out some two years ago under a four pillars agreement, and which I think it's fair to say since or during that two year period, the company have been trying to walk away from. Uh, so we've come out of it stronger, better. Yes, there is change in front of us. Yes, that will be difficult. Yes, change is unpopular uh, by any description. Uh, but I would equally argue that a lot of that change we want because we want a shorter working week. We want the improvements in pay and we want to change the culture that exists within this industry of ours. So, you know, I would like to thank the membership for remaining strong and solid. Yes, we've, it's been difficult. Yes, we know there's been some uh, disappointments, I think, from either side in terms of a few bits and bobs, but we've come out of it in a better position. And there's very few workers that face the future uh, in a strong, such a strong position as what we do. But that's down to our members. That's down to our reps. 
and that's down to us focusing on what needs to focus on. Yes, let's have our disagreements. Yes, let's have our debates, but we've come out of it, I think, a lot stronger and a lot better. Uh, so I think it's right that I just place on record a big thank you to the membership and in particular our representatives for the work that they've done in the past 12 months and indeed before that as well. Excellent. Thanks for that, Darren. Steve, have you got any comments? But quickly before you do it, if you haven't already, just hit the like button and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Help, help support the CW grow on its social media. Tag your friends and share it. Uh, we're boosting numbers as we speak. Steve? Yeah, ju just briefly, obviously, Martin and uh, Darren have covered off most of the issues. But again, looking at our industry, if you look at outside industry and while they've been affected through COVID and stuff, there's a lot of people lost their jobs. They have no job security. But the massive thing for me were always going to be the job security issue from what, what we uh, secured in four pillars agreement to then having to fight for pathway to change agreement. But fighting for the pathway to change agreement with members fully behind us and i think that were a, a massive uh bonus for us i think they understood the issues uh, going forward uh, and i think it's the opportunity now for us to shape his own future uh obviously martin and daryl will touch on um where we go with revisions and stuff but it, it's just having that open mind that what we have secured is absolutely massive when you look at the likes of uh, british gas workers or in a fortnight if they don't sign no contracts for worse than terms and conditions, they're all dismissed. We're miles away from that. And I think we are, if not, the strongest union in this country. And I'd say that's down to loyalty to this to membership to union. <clears throat> so that, that's it. God, thanks. Excellent. I think uh, we all echo those sentiments. So uh, we've sort of covered off the last sort of 12 months now. Uh, so what we, we wanted to sort of develop this as more of a story for the members watching and, you know, we've got the backstory. I think we've, we've killed that off now. So what we want to know really now is uh, so much as what really has, has changed, what we're running under and whereabouts are we specifically now. Or on mute, Martin. Just one sec. There we go. Yeah. I suppose what has changed uh, is we have now got an agreement, the pathway to change, uh, and within that is uh, a commitment from both sides to work together to try and grow the company. Uh, and also, it what it does, and I see one of the comments around PDOA. OA, uh, it, it marginalises the use of PDOOA. The company really wanted to use PDOOA as as what they do to resource into revisions. We put that second to either the structural revision or the tabletop, where it's only a guide, a helpful guide, uh, and it's not what sets duties. It's not what sets uh, revisions. So the two formulas we've agreed as revisions going forward because every company will want to become more productive the, uh, the pay rise in the short working week is is uh 300 it's worth 358 million and of course uh the employer wants uh where they can to make the company more productive and i think what's important here uh to pick up on the comment another comment on the uh on the chat box is Walks are struggling. 
Uh, and uh, I think what where we are is, yes, uh, what's happened in the last 12 months is we're not working normally, are we? We're uh, one person in the van. You've got staggered start times. You've got uh, pre-starts. You've got USO failures. You've got higher sick leave. Uh, you've got reduced callers' offices. All of that uh, means uh, you're not working normally. Uh, and therefore, uh, it can look like uh, you're straining uh, and, it, and the, you know, the office is broke. What the task of the two revisions are is to look at this on the basis that uh, there is no COVID uh, and uh, to plan on it as normal working. And if you still need all those COVID restrictions, so you need social distancing, you need the pre-starts, you need staggered starts, then a reason why your office can't hit its target. Uh, but they also then get the short working week. Uh, and what's important about the short working week, not only does it improve uh, basically the annual uh, pay rise next year uh, for uh, full-timers, it's an increase in part-timers' uh, pay uh, uh, because it's the equivalent of about 2.6%. Uh, and uh, that's an improvement for a significant amount of part-timers. And it does protect jobs going forward uh, and it does improve productivity uh, by simply reducing the working week improves productivity because you've got less hours within the workplace and I think the other element it is important for the USO because at the moment the USO according to Ofcom is unsustainable, it's unproductive uh, and what we've got to make, uh, convince uh, both Ofcom and the company that the USO is sustainable uh, and it can be not only six days, it can move on, on parcels to seven days because that's where jobs survive. Uh, and you look in Belgium, you look at other places where the USO has collapsed, thousands of job losses have, have gone with it. Uh, and what the CWU are determined to do is make sure the next step is we become more productive, we grow rather than manage decline, and we build and improve jobs. Uh, and there's a whole growth initiative. But the two tasks myself and Darren were involved in, uh, along with other people, was we had to agree a structural revision process and a tabletop revision process. And clearly that's what we've done. Uh, and we're going to concentrate a little bit on that in a moment. Darren, have you uh, like to add on onto anything on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at some of the comments, and I, I think it's absolutely understandable uh, that when people hear words around productivity, change, revision, etc., that they will quite rightly look at where they are currently at, and you know, and the workload challenges that they face on a day-to-day -day basis. I would argue that both the tabletop revisions and the structural revisions do provide a real opportunity to rebalance workload. Uh, and I think that will be a key issue going forward. Many officers haven't seen any structural change since at least 2014. And you could argue that some of the revision activity back in 2014 didn't quite meet the mark. 
in terms of due diligence and ensuring that all uh, data is captured. So there is a genuine opportunity with both vision activities to look at the workload that's, that's there and then therefore the hours that are needed uh, to support it. I don't accept the argument that we should, you know, that we should look to increase the working week. Clearly, it's you know, it is absolute right for a trade union to look to reduce the working week and reduce the hours that members are expected to work. Uh, and obviously, there's a pay rise there for the part-time colleagues as well. You know, so we should not be apologising for seeking to reduce the working week. What we need to do, however, is rebalance the workload against that reduction in the working week. That I think is the real challenge and debate. We believe and we hope that we've secured a revision agreement that allows local representatives supported by branches and area reps to really press that debate for rebalancing to reflect the fact that letters, yes, it's it's you know it's it's dropped off many years. I've been in the job 30 odd years now. You know, the, the post bag is completely different to what it was when I started back then. Uh, but, you know, the revision opportunity does provide an ability to reshape the post bag uh, and to reshape, you know, how deliveries are constructed, how work, how the workload is divvied up, how it's aligned. So I think people should welcome the opportunity for revision activity because it will hopefully address those imbalances, those difficulties that member ha uh, members do face. PDAOA and the use of PDAOA data to construct revisions, that is a very subjective matter. What we can't accept as a trade union is the fast been overtaken by the fastest. And that's what PDAOA data does. You know, it doesn't take into account those members that will be starting early. It doesn't take into account those members that choose to work through meal reliefs. And it doesn't take into account those members that choose, sadly, to run around on delivery to get done, be that because they're trying to make some time or be that because they feel pressurised to get done on time. So the use of PDOA data to drive uh, outputs is not the right decision. We have agreements that allows for that data to be used selectively uh, to support activity, but it should not be used as a sole derivatory for revision activity. We need to use uh, industrial engineers study values that were done uh, a number of years ago now, uh, thousands of on-the-job observations to derive averages of workload and then we use the revision process to try and bring some stability and balance back in terms of demands. And hopefully with that, you know, the improvement in the working uh, environment and culture. But, you know, listen, we cannot apologise, nor should we apologise for continuously reducing the working week for our members. That's absolutely the right thing to do is how the workload is then divvied up against that reduction in the working week. That's the challenge. That's the debate. And that's, I think, you know, the challenge for us as a trade union to deal with as well. Absolutely agree on that. Uh, Steve, have you would like to come in on any points from a, a more divisional perspective? Because I, I presume you've actually been getting into some of uh, the debates in some of the offices. Well, well, what we're doing uh, as a division, I think a lot of units are currently just starting with their pre-startup meetings. So they'll be going through all data gathering and stuff like that. But if we just put into context where we were, so like what Darren mentioned, he's been on, been on job 30 odd year. I say I started in 87. Uh, when I started in 87, it were a 43 hour working week. And when I were 18 and allowed to work nights and stuff, so I started as a cadet, I were finishing Saturday morning back on at work Sunday night. So 
your, your own life, you practically didn't have one. So to where we were many moons ago, to where we're currently getting to, it, it's, and this is what I was saying, you've got to take that leap of faith and embrace on what what the, the challenges are. But obviously, like what Martin said, you always got to have a two-way agreement. And for us, the revisions is what we need in our delivery officers. We've seen what the uh, some of the comments are that people are saying uh, they, they feel that jobs should be added. And people will be probably sick of me saying it, but I say at every meeting, I've said it for 20-odd years, 30-odd years as AGMs and stuff like that, but do it job properly, all that type of thing. It all goes in our favour. If we do what we should be doing, how we're doing it all at a reasonable rate and following on with the, like I said, with the revision work, it's opportunity to now to grasp the future on how we want to shape our delivery officers uh, and, and going forward, I think it's a massive opportunity and we've just got to take it and, and like I said earlier, just have that leap of faith, but doing what we should be doing uh, and, and going forward, I think we're in a hell of a better place than what we were a few years ago. Excellent, yes, I agree. So uh, we've, we have covered off a little bit there in terms of the referring to a tabletop and a more structural revision. So... I do think some of our members want to sort of understand a little bit more specifically what constitutes a structural revision and what constitutes a tabletop and why are both necessary and you know what's how how are these revisions actually going to be uh, sort of done yearly or are they going to rotate them and, and such and so forth. So, uh, Martin, I think you've you're going to cover off one aspect of one of those uh, if, if you'd like to uh, take the lead there, Mike. Yeah, so for those offices who are due a tabletop revision, so there's 886 uh, offices uh, throughout the country, throughout the UK, uh, who will do a tabletop. And the tabletop revisions are based on the productivity measure, which is called weighted items per work hour. So the union hasn't had a nationally agreed productivity measure uh, for both indoor and outdoor for many years. Uh, I think it's over uh, 25 years. Uh, and uh, the last one uh, didn't really take off. That was PBS. Uh, and uh, what we've agreed is to use uh, both an indoor and outdoor measure. Uh, previously, we'd only used something called the Indoor Workload Tool, which is the IWT which now for an indoor person, uh, for a delivery post person, it only really accounts for 20% of their workload. Uh, and some of that is the declining part. So we wanted to capture all the growth, all the transactions you do on the doorstep uh, and all, all the other hours. So we moved to something called weighted items per workout. So what we've, we've done on the tabletops is we've then put offices into one of six categories so if you're one uh then your your ability is your very high performing office uh you will be at 196 or 100 bsi or above uh and your 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 basically uh, uh, will be just to maintain that productivity and then we've got ranges all the way down from 196 uh, all the way down where uh, you've got a range of pr productivity improvement between 1% and 12%. Uh, 
Uh, and the important bit of weighted items per workout, there's a lot of science in the background, but there's two fundamental calculations for weighted items per workout. And that is your weighted traffic in the office. So what your traffic is and how many hours you need to clear that traffic. So where people say, well, as USO failures, it, it disregards that. It's how many hours you need to clear that traffic which comes in. And one divided by the other equals your weighted items per work hour performance. And that, uh, what we've done is we've used the reference period of 2019. Uh, and the reason why we've had to go back to 2019 is for all the reasons we've spoken about uh, in terms of 2020. You can't use work hours when <clears throat> at one stage we were failing three, 4,000 USO failures across the country. We, one person in the van, you got staggered start times, reduced callers' offices, uh, you got high absence, work not going out. You couldn't use work hours as a productivity during 2020. So what we decided is go back before COVID to the four week October period of 27 weeks, 27 to 30, 2019. Uh, and it's whatever your performance was at that point decided which category of one to six you were in. We then uh, wanted to capture the growth, which in traffic for most offices uh, in 2020, we wanted to capture that growth. So we then put the 2019 traffic and we uprated it by the 27 to 30 2020 traffic. So it captured each office's traffic, which was a four week period last year. So it was a higher traffic period. And then what we've done is we've factored in the commercial forecast for this financial year. So April to March uh, uh, 2022. And that again, uh, shows there's going to be an increase in traffic. It's only marginal, 0.2, but that's a national forecast. Uh, so clearly uh, that will have variances per offices, but we've had to use a national forecast. And what that then determined is how many work hours you would have for your target revision. So give you an example, out of the 886 offices we deal with, 304 of those 886 have more work hours in their revision after doing their productive improvement than they did in weeks 27 to 30, 2019. So you can see where you've got higher traffic, the two calculations is clear. If you get higher traffic and you divide that by the work hours, then you will need more work hours because that's the way weighted items is. So 304 offices are actually more hours in than the 2019 reference period for their target revision after they made the productive improvement. For 299 offices, there is between one hour less and 50 hours less. Uh, uh, and that's after they've made their productive improvement. For a lot of offices, that's just a reduction in the short working week. Uh, uh, so, and then for another 150 offices, the move is between one, uh, sorry, 51 hours and 100 less. So for 
uh, and then there's eight offices with no change. So for the vast majority of offices, the tabletop will not uh, have a massive impact. And the important bit here is uh, you use all your work hours in a, a weighted items revision. So in the past, you would have done your revision just based on your TM1, your scheduled overtime. Every single work hour which you have it in your office is calculated for your weighted items. So if you have a van breakdown and you've got to then go and cover that, uh, someone's got to run that to a workshop and someone's got to do that on overtime, then all of that hours is in there uh, as well. So it's not just the term one, it's all your hours which you spend in that reference period, which is different to what we've done revisions in the past. And then for the remaining 125 offices, they're a mixture of larger offices, normally over 4,000 hours in an office, up to 8,000 hours, where you would expect a larger thing. And then those offices who've seen workload shock. Uh, and what I mean by workload shock is those university towns, those uh, offices which are reliant on airports, <clears throat> And those offices who are uh, in a city, I think I looked at Leeds in a city office. They'd lost 200,000 traffic, I think it was, uh, on 2019. Uh, and what we've agreed with the company on that is some of that traffic, or hopefully all of that traffic, will return as we come out of uh, the lockdown. Uh, and therefore, uh, you, you will improve your productivity in those offices simply by people... Uh, returning to the offices and therefore you wouldn't have to do as much as what that showed you uh, and, and we've agreed that within the joint statement so each office will be in a category uh, what we've made sure is each office has uh, clearly got a target revision you're planning the office revision on normal working so back two people back in the van uh, no social distancing, no nights, no uh, pre-starts, no staggered start times. Uh, you're, you're, you're planning it as if uh, COVID has gone. And if, you're, if COVID restrictions are still needed, so you still need staggered start times, you still need social distancing, you need uh, extra nights, extra, uh, pre-starts, they're a reason why you can't hit your target. And the companies agreed that. Uh, so uh, that's an important element on this. You're planning it on the basis these revisions will only work if all the COVID restrictions are, uh, are not there. Uh, and then what you've got is you've got an element of structural, which you want to put in some structural uh, into your tier one. And then you've got an, uh, you've got an element of variable spend. Uh, and I would suggest you always make sure there's hours in your variable spend because when if traffic drops, it's your variable spend you lapse rather than your structural. And if you do that in the right way, you should restrict uh, and in most cases remove the need for resortion because what you're doing is you, you're lapsing your variable spend rather than your structural spend. Uh, and obviously that's the information we're putting out there. Uh, it is different using all your work hours. So 
there will be offices who probably haven't done a revision. I think the union's policy for the last three or four years was no revision activity. Uh, so we expect most offices not to have done the revision. You might have had new delivery point growth in that four years. You might be doing that on overtime. Uh, you might be doing that on part-timers uh, increasing. If you put them back into some structure into onto the walks, because you may well then decide to introduce dedicated parcels to take uh, potentially 15% of the larger parcels off, you may well save those overtime uh, new, you know, against DPG uh, delivery point growth, uh, and therefore you improve your productivity. You may well decide to look uh, someone's retiring in uh, basically in uh, June, and therefore you're going to backfill their job with a part timer. That's an that's an improvement in productivity. Uh, you you may well look at a summer staffing plan. Uh, to uh, to ensure that you improve productivity, it's a new way of looking at revisions. So, so for a lot of offices, it is going to be different to what you would have known five, six years ago, where it's a case of what's your budget, a manager's budget. This is around the productivity, and we've signed up to a productivity where we couldn't have picked a better time to improve uh, to join. On up on productivity because traffic is buoyant. We hope that continues because mm. the two calculations on weighted items is weighted traffic against workouts and providing if your office traffic has gone up by 10% and your work hours gone up by 2%, you would have improved your productivity. Uh, and, uh, you know, clearly that's something we want to do. Going forward, uh, we're going to look at other things around productivity unmeasured workload is something we've agreed with the company to remove uh, we couldn't do it in in time for this revision because we can't retrospectively go back to the 2019 reference period and remove unmeasured but it's something which will be done later this year so uh, things like callers offices uh, hours are unmeasured meal reliefs are unmeasured uh, training, work time learning is all unmeasured. Any union rep release tagged to an office is unmeasured. Uh, time deliveries is unmeasured. There's a whole myriad of unmeasured, which when it comes out, will improve an office productivity. And it will count towards your second year target, uh, uh, basically improvement. Uh, and it's something we're going to do. The other element in this is clearly you've got to maintain productivity. So what we've agreed, or we're in the process of agreeing, is to use something called a, a resourcing calculator. Uh, don't uh, don't get this misunderstood with re resourcing scheduler. It's got nothing to do with that. It's a resourcing calculator to be used for uh, resourcing meetings, which just shows what your traffic is going to be for next week or week after, and you fill in uh like a spreadsheet which says i've got these people on annual leave i've got uh someone on uh, maternity leave i've got someone loaned and these are the work hours i've got traffic divided by work hours shows whether you've maintained your productivity whether you need to flex up or you flex down uh, and it's a simple resourcing calculator which we hope to agree we've also signed off for the tabletop 
is a CW SharePoint where there's a 12 page uh, almost training, a step by step guide of the revision. There's a tracker which will also be, and there's a model agreement which has to be uh, has to be filled in by the DOM and the local rep, uh, and they've got to go through Clip View, which all of this information is on. Uh, but it is meant to be done jointly, uh, and like I said, the change because of traffic does mean for 304 offices they've actually got more hours in their revision hours than they did in 2019. Uh, and so, so it just shows on weighted items per work hour, providing your traffic is high, you actually can increase your hours on your revision. Uh, and what's always important is to not look at what your current run rate is, because that is a total uh, miscalculation of what really is happening in the office, because you might have USO failures, you've got one person in the van, uh, you've got staggered starts, you might have pre-starts, nights, uh, people working from home. All of that isn't what you're going to have when you deploy a revision based on no COVID restrictions. Uh, and that's the key thing. So I think I've said enough on the tabletop. Happy yes, to, I, uh, I didn't actually expect a tabletop was as, as, uh, as big as what that was, but... Uh, I think you covered off one of the uh, comments from uh, Gary Richardson there around about, uh, you know, doing a revision while going back. So I just want to make sure that uh, that his question was aired there. But I think you covered that off uh, as part of your uh, tabletop explanation. So, Darren, um, is the structural revisions as big a job as these tabletops? Well, listening to Martin there, you would hope not, uh, if I'm honest <laughs> with you. We just undertook a, a structural revision there. Now, uh, listen, I mean, it's absolutely imperative that we understand the detail. And as negotiators, we need to know that level of detail. We need to have that absolute uh, understanding. The structural revisions are different because effectively what structural revision does is it's a restart button. Yeah. Now, I've seen on the comment box, and I hear it every day, how members quite rightly, point out that they're under pressure, they're not able to complete, and they feel, uh, you know, harangued and harassed and pressurised to get done. A revision provides a genuine opportunity if it's dealt with properly, and that means both the manager and the rep. So, you now I'll make the point that managers have a responsibility to make sure their revisions are done properly, that all the base data is correct, and that all the time required to do the revision they have that responsibility equally to that of the local representative. Yeah, they have a responsibility to their employees and they have a responsibility to make sure that, you know, the work is fair and manageable. So the revision process absolutely provides an opportunity to capture delivery point growth that is taking place that is not being captured. It provides the opportunity at local level to make sure that the uh, length of driveways, uh, the amount of times, you know, the, the number of delivery points you go to, each day over the week all of that core data is captured on the traffic the traffic should be based upon a commercial forecast that commercial forecast should build in and factor in the growth from parcels in particular the structural revisions will provide an opportunity for local offices to consider dedicated parcel routes to support the growth in the parcel uh, workload which is a big big problem 
for a lot of our members. So a structural revision absolutely provides the opportunity to set the reset button at local level to ensure that all of those delivery points, all of that increase in workload is captured. And I think for me, what we can't do is we can't have this debate around how our members are under pressure to get done and then reject the notion that we can address that without doing something more fundamental at local level to see what's causing that problem and how we put that problem right. So that's what the structural revisions uh, are designed to do. They are designed to make sure that all of the local base data is, is, is undertaken, it's captured correctly. Within the structural revision process, there will be the absolute opportunity for the membership to look at the revised routes that come out of the system and to sense check them and to push back if they think that those routes are achievable or there's not the right time for those routes. So the full structural revision, you know, under the pathway agreement, we committed and that agreement has now been endorsed. We committed this year to 400 structural revisions taking place across the country next year and the year after that. So the, fly, uh, the, the pathway to change agreement sets out a three year program of structural revisions that would cover every single unit within the country. Uh, and I you know, and I think for me, we, we, we need to understand that, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done at local level ensuring that the base state is accurate. Yeah, we get that, that needs to be done. The traffic overlay to that is important that we get that right. And that has been done, you know, but it's the, the revision process itself absolutely provides an opportunity at local level to reset that button. Uh, and I would suggest we're in a stronger position than what we were back in 2014 when we had the last major wave of revision activity. And then you'd have to go back to 2010 and the changes that we did back then. So the revisions process, it's a detailed agreement. It's a complex agreement. There's no, there's no two ways hiding from that. Now, there's a lot of detail that needs to be understood. There's a lot of detail that needs to be checked. And Martin has absolutely alluded to that uh, in going through it. But the agreement is designed to be dealt with in bite-sized chunks for local parties to work through that with the local membership and the local reps supported by the branches and the area reps to ensure firstly that all of your delivery point and all of your base data including by the way the time it takes for you to get out on delivery you know that's a big chunk of time you know to make sure that mirror leaves are ignored away but time is built within the duty to ensure mirror leaves are taken this is, I would suggest, a real good opportunity to try and resolve it. Now, I'm not going to suggest that it's somehow a panacea that it's going to resolve everyone's problems and concerns because it's not. Uh, and I'm not going to, you know, delude people with that. But it is an opportunity, in my view and in the union's view, to correct some of the imbalances that currently exist. It's an opportunity to look at an office, make sure that we get the right value in terms of delivery points. I mean. I, unless you've been living on the dark side of the moon, most delivery offices have seen an explosion in delivery point growth in the past two to three years. I mean, the button up ours is quicker than, well, you know, and um, I said I won't swear on this, so I won't. Um, you know, but ours are going up, but we're not capturing that. What's happening at local level is we're just expected to carry on and carry on and carry on. So the revision process provides us the opportunity to reset that dial, to capture all that data, to make sure that the office reflects the changes in mail profile and that the hours are there to support that operation. That's not going to be easy. It will mean change, 
but I would hope that the agreement is used rightly, properly, because it's a joint agreement. So actually, it's, a, it's just as much on Royal Mail here to make sure that they applied this agreement properly. It's on Locals Dom's responsibility to do the right things. This is not. A, this should not be seen as an opportunity to be attacking hours, to be attacking the job, to be attacking terms and conditions. This should be seen as a genuine opportunity to reshape and grow the industry going forward. And I'll end on this. The agreement also provides annual reviews and refreshes. So that provides uniquely with an opportunity to say, did it work? Are we doing what we're doing? Has the office got the right hours to support the workload demand that the membership are facing? And that's why we've got that commitment in there to, to push on with this. So, you know, no, it's not the panacea to resolving all of our problems. But if the agreement is used as it was constructed, as it's been agreed, as it's been set out and used jointly by the local manager and the local dog with a membership engagement, it should deliver a better revision and a better duty set than a lot of our members uh, currently face and deal with. It's not the panacea to resolving all our problems, but it should and it's designed to improve our working uh, lives and our working day. Uh, so, yeah, it's there. It will bring about change. Uh, you know, we have to work through that. Uh, it's complicated. But, it, you know, but I also believe it's a great opportunity here to put right and address the underinvestment that we've seen in this industry uh, for many, many years now. It's an opportunity to reset the dial. Thanks for that, uh, Darren. Um, there's a couple of comments and they're kind of related. So I just want to get some clarity from, from you two about the SharePoint and the training. So the first, first one is from Leslie Ann. And uh, she's asking about clarity about the, the tabletop and and this uh, the shape on the training. And there's another one. Let me just see if I can find it uh, there from Rob. To is the shape up for structural visions, or is it like an amalgamated one? I just wonder if you can just clarify those questions, please. Uh, yeah, in terms of Leslie's uh, Anne's point. Uh, I understand Bobby Wevel and uh, has almost completed signing off of uh, basically that SharePoint for tabletop. Uh, and then obviously uh, Mark Balsh will write out saying uh, and you get a password uh, and a login and you'll see all that information. So I would hope that's done before the end of the week. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, that will be out there. There will be something separate for the structural revisions, which I let down coming on. Oh, thank you. So, uh, checking some of the comments. Offices in which has been implemented. So, uh, the there's a question here from Simon Dandy. If you can see in the, the comments, I'll bring it up on screen, but it's about the Basin 6. Um, can the upcoming revisions be used to readdress the Basin 6 and which has been created in a number well-known in offices, yada, yada, yada. So what, what's the situation with the Basin 6 and how does that tie into uh, revisions? Or are they categorically separate? Uh, I'll come in there, Scott. Uh, no, they're not. Um, I mean, there is a number of officers in the country that have uh, the Basin 6 configuration. And 
most of that is down to the fact that the office, the floor space <coughs> of the office, simply is, you know, we've outgrown the building. Uh, and I think that's a wider point that we need to deal with with the company going forward. Uh, a number of our delivery offices date back to the 50s and 60s, and they simply are not designed for the volumes, in particular parcel growth volumes that we've done. Delivery point growth has outstripped uh, a number of our buildings. So bases and six have been developed locally. Uh, I would hope with agreement uh, to, I suppose, square off that circle. If offices are able to develop different frame configurations that support the indoor operation, you know, provide better uh, solutions around spacing, then that would absolutely uh, be something to consider both as part of the structural revisions uh, and indeed the, the tabletop store. What I would say is that neither revisions should be used as a Trojan horse to develop Basin 6, yeah? Uh, because Basin 6, whilst it might, might free up a little bit of IP space, it tends to result in real compressed congestion uh, at the fitting itself. It's almost Robin Peter to pay Paul, and it's not a long-term solution. I would reference the fact that in the Pathway to Change Agreement, we have committed to work with Royal Mail to do some work and studies around what does the new, uh, I suppose, delivery layout need to look like going forward because we, we simply face uh, a, a dynamics of continuing workload growth and a lot of our delivery offices simply don't meet that need. They don't, you know, they're not big enough. Uh, they're not designed for the industry that we work in today. They were designed 30, 40, 50 years ago. I still know some offices that have outside loops. Uh, you know, that's how uh, underinvested this industry has been for many, many years. Uh, so, you know, Basin 6, you know, if there's problems at local level with the Basin 6 and there's real meaningful opportunities to amend that, then that should absolutely be discussed and addressed at local level. Uh, but equally, you know, there should be no use of the revision process to develop a Trojan horse approach towards employment of Basin 6 or in fact, for that matter, double slots. Uh, you know, we need to be mindful of that, you know, going forward. But I think we also need to be mindful that what we actually really do need, I think, going forward, and it will, again, be popular, but what we do need to see going forward is some genuine investment in the estate. You know, some of our delivery offices simply aren't fit for purpose, uh, and we need to look at that, and I think work with the company over the coming years to see what that looks like. But the Pathway to Change Agreement does set out some commitments to do some real deep dive study and work around the basis its configuration. And I know I think Wunwell in uh, Yorkshire was one of the first offices in the country uh, to move to a basis its configuration, uh, you know, uh, and we, you know, we're keen to start going to these offices and understanding what works and what doesn't work in terms of plan, uh, floor plan layouts and frame configuration. Thanks for that. Uh, so I want to bring Steve in at this this point because he's been sitting there nice and uh, contently. And I mean, you, you referenced there a South Yorkshire office, and uh, Steve is from South Yorkshire. So I was wondering if they wanted to come in at that point. You unmute, Steve. There you go. Yeah, uh, I don't know if your question froze. Uh, if it were just obviously on Mumwell, it's uh, one of officers we in our branch. Uh, I think, like what Darren said, because it were one of the first, it were all trial and error. And I think it's more of a error situation now than what it is because just the, the dynamics of the traffic that come in there. Because 
we're, I think, like what Darren alluded to, we've got to be careful with basin six because the the style of traffic that's coming in with packets and parcels, this is why we wanted that uh, survey on estate doing to see if we could actually make some space in units because obviously we need to be storing packets and parcels safely and stuff. So basin six isn't the be all and end all for Rawmail to put a revision in and as a as a grand scheme of things it, it needs to be looked at uh, but we it is like i say one well because of the uh current situation with packets and parcels it, it probably back to square one we're putting stuff on top of frame underneath frame outside at fitting and everything else so it's not it's not where it's said on tin let's put it that way so it, it does want open thinking but i won't put basin six as a be all and end all and we have made uh, SDLs uh, and we, when we start meeting with SDLs and with planners and stuff that let's just don't have that as a tick box exercise that it needs to be in there that obviously we we, we need spacing as units because they are basically not fit for purpose I think in our division we've got like Sir Buddersfield, Barnsley, Lincoln, multi-floor working where you've got lifts if they're working it's a bonus but trying to get traffic up and down stairs and get people out onto delivery it's just a bit of a nonsense and obviously if we going forward we better revision processes and stuff and uh mere reliefs again why would you want to sit and have a sandwich in a monkey room when we can try and obviously brighten places up that are current or if we need new builds let's push for new builds it, it we've we've got to move forward from uh from where we currently are uh, and, and I think these revisions will take that, that that and them ideas forward for better better thing for members in facility wise and stuff. So that's, uh, that's it, Scott. Cheers. Excellent. So if we if we can just move this this on to the next point. I mean, revision activity, whether it be a tabletop or a structural, and you know, even just on this basin six and and developing it on local level, there is an emphasis there, isn't there, on local uh, input. So the, there is some sites, some units up and down the country that uh, don't have a local rep in, in situ. So I'm aware that in the northeast, uh, which, and, and Steve, I think if you can sort of explain a little bit about what that initiative is, but what if there isn't a local rep in situ and how and why uh, is the northeast taking its position uh, to, to try and recruit these these reps well, i think first i think <clears throat> the we, we recently sent a letter uh that were published in every unit basically on how to get uh unit reps into basically into positions but background to that uh we, we around 2018 we launched as a, a northeast initiative what we call the 2020 vision whereas by last year we wanted to have uh, things in place to support rep so to start that off we we drew up a list of 10 questions uh, that covered off training uh, tools for job what branches can do recruitment all that type of thing we then put that into uh condense that to five categories and the the two highest categories that come out from from them surveys that because we went to every branch and to every uh like basically as a unit rep you're entitled to four 
IR meetings with your area rep a year, plus two special meetings. Uh, individual reps normally come to them. Uh, so we went to basically every function within the northeast, asking these ten questions, got the feedback, uh, and then we basically put a plan together uh, to introduce better training because I think that the initial feedback what we were getting where reps were feeling isolated at workplace, where it were taking time to get trained on IR, conduct and attendance and what have you. But what we did as an initiative, we got uh, area reps trained up because initially the divisional reps were the ones doing the training. That proved obviously to be too big a task for the amount of area we cover and reps we cover. So by getting the area reps uh, trained in IR conduct and attendance to, to do that. We ended up, I think, around first year, 100 plus reps getting uh, newly trained and retrained on IR and 80 plus on conduct and attendance. Uh, so it, it were, in our opinion, a, a good and good exercise. Uh, what we did then, we have a monthly meeting with Northeast Bank secretaries. So to make sure that we capture all this, we draw like a, an Excel sheet uh, which covered off uh, who'd been trained or were due training, uh, what support were given. So obviously we're down to branches in regards to support for tools for jobs or so your, your, your mobiles, your laptops, uh, merchandise like what Scott's nicely modelling for Leeds number one. That were another another initiative from the 2020. Uh, but it were to make sure that when people were taking on the role that they knew what it were. So we drew up like a, a 318 uh, for a reps role, which obviously covers off what they'll be doing. With, and the, the important thing going forward, I think it's probably been in every agreement known to man for the last five years, and it's having weekly resource meetings and uh, the quality of them, because I think culture were mentioned earlier, and this is all around that where we've seen good resource meetings uh, taking place with reps and managers where they've got that bit of understanding. The workplace is a better place for our members. So what we try to do is encourage officers that haven't got reps to come forward, uh, understand that they would be, obviously, when they take the role, that there is responsibilities to, to take that forward. But, uh, but obviously, what do they get out of it from us? So we give that commitment uh, that they would be trained on uh, the IR conduct somewhere every week, first four months, and taking up the position. And then following on, obviously, from the pathway to change, where it's the the two uh, revision processes that Darren and Martin have touched on, is down to local level. It's local discussion, it's local agreement. So we need reps in local offices. Just on revisions, what we have got in place is where we haven't got officers with a rep. We've either got a, another local rep to buddy up to do the union work, or if we haven't got a rep to do that, area reps are going in. And what we've also set up as a support mechanism for all reps is bit, we have a, like a red, amber, green call uh, once a week to go through on where officers are. So if there's a bit of a backlog uh, in what they're doing with base data and pre-startup meetings. If they do get into any difficulties, that's flagged up onto that system. We then discuss that with, with lead planners and SDLs and we'll get people in to go in and support. So it's basically having the opportunity that nobody will be basically left alone. And that's what the, the commitment 
in getting new reps into to delivery officers especially uh that that's what his aim is and i'm hoping i've well i do know my own branch uh, south Yorkshire district i do know that since putting the notices out we have uh, recruited a couple of reps so the branch secretaries and the area reps go and meet and greet with them individuals they'll they'll go through uh procedures initial stuff and, and whatever so people are confident on what they're doing and it, the letter that we basically sent out as the the next steps in a sense it is where we've now approached uh, the sdls they've accepted that a, a unit rep is a massive role that needs to be fulfilled uh, in, in units so we've had discussions on moving forward with facility time with training and, and stuff like that but what we believe with the training that we've put in place and, and how fast reps actually get it that the confidence uh, that they have and especially with being meant like we're mentoring and stuff like that following uh, being elected we, we think we'll wouldn't like we said we're not leaving anybody out on their own obviously when restrictions uh, are lifted all three of us, three divisional reps, myself, Gary and Bob, will be back out into units speaking with local reps. We'll be back, hopefully, face-to-face -face meetings at uh, local reps meetings and, and members meetings and stuff like that. So if an office, if you are listening, if you haven't got a rep, just have a look, speak to, to your area rep on what the 2020 initiative were. Have a look at what support we're going to, we will give you. It's not what we might give you, it's what we will give you. And hopefully uh, that quick five-minute chat there, it, it has hopefully picked a bit of interest and hopefully we can get some more reps on back of that. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for that, Steve. Uh, comprehensive. So um, I'm conscious that we've, we've run over the hour. So I would like to just wind it in. Uh, just one comment just uh, to uh, reference in with as far as winding down for can, boys. Uh, Simon Danby just it kind of ties into the local want to uh, ask about the emphasis and the importance of the role of the health and safety rep in those local discussions and how important that and that's key particularly um you know if they're looking at efficiencies the the you know it's it's absolutely paramount that the health and safety reps consider you know uh, all the potential risk and whether their efficiencies are uh, are justified so just to cover that off if you can with your final comments uh, on the revision activity and um, if we can try and keep it a bit brief, then you know we can perhaps try and get down to the pub before last orders. <laughs> uh, cheers, Scott. Uh, look, uh, health and safety uh, is critical. There's uh, on the tabletop, and I know it's similar on the structural. Is a joint sign-off on the model agreement, uh, so it has to be signed off by the health and safety uh, rep to make sure. Uh, the revision is good to go, along with the local rep and Dom. Uh, in terms of my closing comments, uh, I think what's important here, I see a couple of comments. People haven't done necessary revisions for five. Uh, I think I saw one since 2010, the DT uh, 2010 revision. Uh, and let's be honest, uh, the mix of mail has changed in that period massively. Uh, letter decline, growth in parcels, tractors come uh, and uh, been on more doorstep, uh, uh, you know, uh, issues. Uh, and what we've tried to do is build something which is uh, 
you know, uh, as gets a short working week, but does tidy up an office. Uh, and what is crucial here is this isn't about USO failures. This isn't about people working beyond their time. This is about a revision which is deployed, which delivers quality, delivers the USO, uh, and ensures people do that within their duty time, not starting before their time, uh, not working during their meal reliefs, not cutting corners, not racing around, but a revision which is built on uh, good foundations, and that is traffic and work hours uh, against the USO and quality, and that is what revision should be based on. If an office cannot do that, then that should be flagged up because clearly it's not right. Uh, and therefore, we'll be happy to pick that up. The vast majority of offices know the tabletop revision will be doable, uh, will be a way to tidy up the office and will be a way to introduce a short working week. Uh, and that brings with it some security, that brings with it uh, part-timers' ability to uh, basically in, uh, increase uh, their work hours because once you've agreed your productivity with your work hours, if those part-timers are working above their contracted hours, there's a, a more sound, logical argument to increase their contracted hours because it's in work, within the work hours. So we think it's the tabletop revision is doable for the vast majority. There will be some offices, uh, clearly, where those issues will have to be raised up to us uh, and, and we're happy to pick them up. But, you know, we do think in return for raw mail, stop using real-time recording, we have to agree productively. And we've agreed productively, we think, in the right way uh, and we're hoping to move that forward as we go forward. So, uh, you know, I want to echo uh, thanks to all the members who support this union throughout. It hasn't been easy. And you've been through the last 12 months uh, at the uh, coalface and clearly under huge pressure. We hope now to move out of that and provide you with real benefits, uh, the short working week, pay, job security, and moving forward, the ability to uh, bring more jobs and more hours into uh, Royal Mail. So thank you. Well, thanks for that, Martin. Darren? Yeah, firstly, just to try and pick up on some of the comments on the, uh, the the comments page, but I'm not particularly savvy with that sort of thing, so apologies if we missed anything uh, particular. But just to pick up on the SharePoint site, yes, the, the, the aspiration is to have a SharePoint site for the full structural revision activity. Um, it's a little bit beyond me, but we are having some IT difficulties at this current moment in time. But the aim is to have a CWU SharePoint site to replicate all the information that's currently available uh, from the raw mail SharePoint site. Um, in relation to the health and safety reps, you know, I would simply ask colleagues to read the agreement. Uh, it absolutely enshrines health and safety engagement from the get-go, from point one or task one all the way to task 32 of the revision agreement. The health and safety rep is there. All of the processes are there. We've got a singular and joint IR slash health and safety task list. We didn't go down the line of separate device task lists. It's a singular task list. 
look, the agreement will be subject to part activity and it will be subject to an ongoing review going forward. So clearly, you know, we will take back uh, feedback from representatives, safe, health and safety and IR. Our safety representatives are absolutely front and centre in the revision process and the agreement is quite clear on that. And I would simply encourage colleagues to use that agreement as it's outlined. Um, I think for me, and I, I, I certainly welcome the, the stuff that Steve said about what the branches in the northeast are doing in terms of supporting local reps. The hardest job I've ever done in this union has been a local rep. Uh, it is without doubt the most difficult job. It's the most thankless job. It's the most pressurising job. But equally, it can be the most rewarding position in the union as well. Uh, and it's, it, 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 is a, it is a great honour. I genuinely believe to represent your fellow worker uh, and workers. It, 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 it's, it's, it's absolutely, but it's a difficult job. I think it's fair to say, and Martin will agree with me on this one, you know, we would have loved to deliver these agreements in a different manner. But the coronavirus sadly has restricted a number of things and the way in which we've been able to communicate the agreements, the way in which we've outlined the agreements, the way in which the training, the current training has been set out, doesn't meet the mark. It, on the no way does it meet the mark. But we have been dealt a hand and we've tried our best. I think that's the best way of putting it to, to, to deliver the agreements and the information to support the representative and branches going forward the best we can. I think in terms of the future, well, I, 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 I would like to be a little bit more optimistic. I've worked for Royal Mail 30 plus years now. Uh, I can't wait to get back face to face. It's quite daunting, by the way, being on these video cams. The only person I can see talking is myself. And I can only apologise to you good people for being subjected to that. Um, the reality is this is we've got a future. Let's be clear. We've got a future. We've had people running this company for the past number of years who didn't want to give us a future or certainly not the future that we've got, that we've secured, that you've secured view our collective strength through the pathway to change agreement and the four pillars agreement. Very few workers are coming out this, well, this international pandemic with a pay rise and effectively two hours off the working week because that's what we've had in the past two years. We are in a strong position. We have got agreements that, yes, the negotiators agreement. Yes, our reps, branches, and we will have to push back. Yes, we will have to defend our agreements. We've always done that. And we will need to continue to do that. But we've got a future. These agreements are not the panacea to resolving all our problems. And no one should think that for a minute. But we're here. We're fighting. We've got an agreement. We've got a good agreement. It ensures that we are in the room. It ensures that we can shape the direction of this great company going forward. And I do say that. It is a great company. I'm very proud for Royal Mail, to work for Royal Mail. I may take issue, however with the people who run the company. But I'm very proud to be a post. He always have done. Uh, but I do take great issue with the people who run the company in the direction in which they want to take this company forward. So these agreements are not a panacea to end all our woes and all our difficulties. And we will continue the best traditions of this union to have those internal debates and be constructively critical uh, of people as we need to going forward. But yes, we've got a good agreement. The pathway change agreement puts us in a strong position. Uh, and I think that we should use our agreements, as we always have done, to, to continue to fight on behalf of the membership, those people who elect us to represent them on a day-to-day -day basis. So, yeah, I mean, the pubs are opening. 
hopefully we're turning the corner in terms of the pandemic you know and hopefully going forward we will see in the coming months and years a better workplace environment for all of our members because we deserve it we absolutely deserve it uh you know and we work in a difficult industry and a difficult environment but we continue to manage to deal with the changes that thrust upon us as workers and we should continue to do so so i am notwithstanding all the difficulties and all the comments made and all the problems that exist and will exist tomorrow morning spot on my gobbing off you know i'm still very optimistic about this future uh, and the future that we've got in front of us and that is simply down to our collective strength as a trade union and as workers so that's it scott thank you cheers does steve yeah there's not much more to say is there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look i think our is from from northeast is obviously what what we interesting regards to to what dad has touched on there on obviously and what i touched on and give that brief report on importance of having unit reps we, we've got to have a strong union we need a strong base and a strong foundation and that is basically having a rep in each office where we can we will give you that support that that's a given uh and like what dad and, and martin have said it, the way that we can tackle going forward it's in a sense in our hands making sure that uh, we, we cover all as bases and angles in regards to these revisions so just like to thank obviously the branch for for the invite uh hopefully we'll be getting out to see people because i know darren said he can only see one i can see up for us and if national crime agency were looking in i think we'd be top 10 at most wanted so we're not a pretty picture we're face for radio i think they call it so but hopefully we can get out and meet yourselves uh in near future so that's it from me scott so thanks again for invite uh, and just basically for everybody, just keep the faith and keep safe. Thanks a lot. Excellent. Thanks for that then, boys. Really appreciate you spending the time to come on and running slightly over for the benefit of our members. And, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be great if we could possibly do something similar, hopefully in better better times, maybe actually in person, visit, you know, perhaps do a live stream within uh, a workplace. That, that would be interesting, I think. So, uh, you know, that's it. Thanks again and uh you know do subscribe to the youtube channel like the page share with everybody else the video will be there accessible if you want to go and review it at any point and uh so thanks for watching remember unity is strength and we'll see you again soon right we'll get this video